What is up, everybody? Welcome to Overtime, episode number 39. I can't believe it's been 39. 39. And about half of those weeks have been in quarantine in some capacity, I feel like, <laughs> uh, which is kind of scary to think about. But uh, we are here. Yeah. We're still going strong. As you guys can tell, we are in a different medium sometimes. Sometimes we're able to be in the studio. Sometimes we're at home and we uh, can do this virtually. But anyway, we are here yeah. and we're so glad that you are tuning in for episode number 39. Uh, just want to share a couple things with you guys before we get started. Um, so I know... We're always asking questions like, what do the next few weeks hold? You know, what does tomorrow hold? And uh, we just want to let you guys know that we are in the process of talking about what it means to do church inside. We're trying to be very um, prudent in that, be very uh, wise. And we, of course, are, are one of our top priorities is safety. And so we are working through all of that stuff right now. And we do anticipate that we will be able to share updates with you this weekend at our services. Um, and so we invite you to tune in to our services this weekend. Um, if not our uh, online service, at least our drive-in service will cover more details. And then next week, we're going to share a lot more information on our social media pages for what that will look like. So be sure to tune in. And of course, we'll keep our online options as well. So if you've been tuning in at the, the live stream for 5 o'clock on Saturdays or 1045 on Sundays or 9 o'clock, we still have those going on. So um, yeah, uh, that's what you can expect. But again, tune in this weekend or next week for more information on that. And then secondly... I was super bummed when uh, it rained so hard last Friday and the movie night was canceled. But you know, it had like perfect weather every day. single day, yep. like until Friday. And it was a, it was a, it was a lot of rain. So um, it was a lot. we don't worry, don't fret, don't cry. We have another opportunity coming up on July twenty fourth. That's a Friday. And uh, actually, I know you guys yeah. may have heard that we have we're working on an LED screen. We're trying to get that together and mounted. Um, if we are able to pull that off by this date, that means that yeah. we can actually move the movie night a bit earlier. It wouldn't start as late as nine o'clock. It might even start earlier, maybe six or seven o'clock, which would be great. And so, uh, stay tuned for that. There will be more details for that as well coming at you in the yeah. next week or so once we kind of learn more about that situation. But you guys are so used to getting information every week. Yeah, uh, because flexible. Yeah, we've been doing that for the past 15 to 20 weeks now. So this is nothing new for you guys. And uh, we appreciate the flexibility. And I'll mention one more thing too while it's on my mind. As you know, we're trying to communicate well with you guys. And uh, we do have a newsletter going out every week. Uh, via email and that usually has information for just about everything that is happening at the church and so if you want to receive that email you just got have to go ahead and email Cecilia um, and she can put you on that list just go to our church website page click our team and you can find Cecilia's email address below and I think that's it am I missing anything you, you know what I just thought of also I'll just add this Christian and I usually are like two seconds before we start this or whoever's doing it, it's like, hey, what announcements are we talking about? Yeah. One other thing that uh, we forgot to talk about is that, um, you know, a lot of the times there's kind of one-way communication. Yeah. We, hey, this is what we're doing, this is what we're thinking, this is where we're going. Well, we also did just put out a survey that we would love for yeah. you guys to fill out. So if you go to our website, clcfamily.church, um, really on the main screen, on that home screen, there's a button kind of on the uh, it's not the very top because that will take you to a link of our drive-in services, but there's a button on close to the top of the page that says you can take our survey. Yep. Or if you can't find it there, go to the sign-up page, and on there there's a, a button that says survey that you can take the survey. Yes. That We're trying to just ask some questions to try and figure out some things to see where our church is at 
what their comfort level is for yeah. things of such as doing meeting in person, questions about big yellow mug, questions about tiering. There's a lot of things that are on there. So really, really appreciate it if you guys would be willing to jump on and take that survey. That would be great. Awesome. Thanks for that. That's a uh, man. We're remembering all of these on the spot. Yeah, um, man. Look at us. We're we're quick. <laughs> And uh, as you guys know, uh, since we are streaming live from our computers, uh, occasionally we yeah. might experience tech issues. That's okay. I feel like we're, you know, uh, that's yeah. no surprise. It's relatively normal. Uh, if that happens, uh, we invite you to roll with it, and we'll try and roll with it yeah. as well. So, um, you, you anyway. also might hear dogs barking, yeah. televisions in the background, yeah. <laughs> doorbells ringing. Like I feel like we've experienced it all. So yeah. everything that you've experienced at home <laughs> while trying to work. That's what we may experience during this podcast yep. too. And it's going to happen right now. Uh, it's going to just happen so much now in the next hour. Uh, anyway, so we're so glad you guys are here. Episode 39. And this week, we are uh, Ben got to share on Acts chapter 29, uh, which the question that's been posed to us, if I'm remembering correctly, is what's next? And so, um, yeah. Ben, uh, the very interesting, interesting sermon title um, most Bible scholars would probably scratch their head and look at you and be like, does this guy know what he's doing? Um, but anyone who uh, understands your vision would be like, hey, that's actually a really awesome title. So would you mind unpacking a little bit about uh, kind of the heart of the message? Yeah, sure. I would love to do that. So it was, it was kind of a standalone message this week. We've been in a series where we've been looking at the book of Acts and how the Holy Spirit has been moving and working to, sh to spread the gospel. He's been working within his people and the gospel's going out. And so the idea behind this message was that we are the next chapter of, of the book of Acts. So the acts or the actions of the apostles, that's what acts is. And you see the Holy Spirit is drenched in that. So the previous series that we did was the Holy Spirit and kind of how he empowers us. We saw that in the early church. This is kind of going, okay, now how do we in today's day and age, like how do we be that next chapter? What's next for us? Because it's not like Acts 28 happened and then that was it, right? Yeah. Like the Holy Spirit stopped moving. He's now sitting on the couch, just hanging out, like waiting for, uh, you know, for, for God to call his children home for rapture. Like, no, the Holy Spirit is still moving and active and still desires for us to be in a place where we can share and spread the gospel. So yeah. that's the whole idea behind this Acts 29 is that the Holy Spirit didn't stop. He, God's work is not completed, um, that there's still the gospel to be shared and yeah. spread. And so we get the opportunity to be the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. And yeah. so there's definitely not trying to add anything to the gospel. Yeah. Um, and I should say that this isn't even my, my thoughts. There is a, uh, a, um, a uh, church planning network called Acts 29. So really, I stole the idea from them that they were the ones like that thought of, hey, we are the next chapter. And yeah. so I just love that title as I heard it and as we were talking about specifically Acts chapter 16. So again, I know I titled it Acts chapter 29, but yeah. Acts 16 is what we were looking at is that there's these three different conversations yeah. um, and three different conversions. And so that's kind of what we focused on. Um, really how we as normal people can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what it looks like in, in Acts is that Luke tends to go out of his way to allow us to understand that normal people, just like you and I, were the ones that actually spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just the trained you know, apostles. It wasn't just Paul that did it. It was men and women that had day jobs that could have been slaves. And in some cases, you see Paul writing to slaves like, that were slaves that had things like that were 
as we saw the three conversions today that were jailers, that were formerly possessed people and people that were rich fashionistas. Like the gospel went to everyone. And so everyone then got to play a part in the spread of the gospel. So that's really what we were talking about is kind of those three specific conversations and then trying to make that applicable to our lives. So how do we have conversations with these three different unique types of people? Because those three people already mentioned, and I'm sure we're going to do a little bit deeper dive in the next few moments, is that really these three people didn't really have very much in common at all. In fact, if it wasn't for the gospel, I'm not sure if they would have ever really intersected um, for very much. And if they did, I don't think that they would become united in a cause where they were pursuing, but it's just for us to understand that the gospel is for everyone. It's not for the rich. It's not just for the poor. It's not just middle class. It's for all people. So that's kind of the the basics of what we talked about this past weekend. Um, It was a fun week to to cover because in it we're basically in a sense we're talking about evangelism which evangelism is kind of the e word right i don't think there's actual starting e i don't know but uh (laughs) in church can be like this scary intimidating thing like ooh, we don't like to talk about that because it sounds so formal but it's when you look at the spread of the gospel it's just through conversations these people had conversations and they were able to explain what jesus did and and as we see in the case of Lydia, people are spiritually open and they came to know Christ. And then we see in the the instance of the jailer, there were skeptics. And through God working and through Paul's intentional thoughts and kind of his intentional steps, they even come to know Christ. So I feel like that's kind of trying to wrap it all up into a bubble, but then also going into the little details. Yeah. But uh, maybe that's trying to bite off too much at once. So that's so, kind of what we talked about. Yeah, so our hope is to jump into it. And uh, I think it was kind of funny because I feel like in some ways your sermon was trying to keep people on um, uh, just kind of on check with their Bible reading because, you know, turn to Acts 29. Just kidding. It's not there. We're actually going to be in Acts 16 today. Yeah. So. I thought that, that was one of the first things I said, like, yeah. you know, uh, especially online, because the yeah. graphics behind me, as soon as I start talking, so I'm praying and the graphics behind me, I'm yeah. like, if you're looking for Acts 29, it's not there. You're going to find <laughs> like, it. And if you, you do don't find have it in look. your Bible, then there might be a problem. So yes, um, if you do find an Acts 29, uh, come talk to me. I'm very curious. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, well, let's jump back to the beginning. I know, uh, so this kind of standalone message came on the heels of our Holy Spirit um, yeah. series that we've been doing for a while um and so and you you brought up a really good point near the beginning of uh of the sermon where you mentioned that we are joining god in the act of evangelism yeah. we are joining and participating in the work that god is already doing um and so what does it look like i think too often at least for me i'm tempted to think that i'm the one exercising the work i'm the one uh doing these objectives um, but you made a point that uh, apart from the spirit, we can't actually accomplish anything right. uh, of substance. And so would you mind uh, kind of speaking more to this discipline of participating in the action of God and yeah. participating in what God is already up to? Yeah, I, I appreciate that question, too, because I just mentioned that evangelism can be scary. Yeah. Well, I think the reality is evangelism, evangelism is very scary yeah. when we think we're responsible. Yeah when we have to do all the work that we do it alone and that out of obligation and a sense of duty that we, we share gospel, not out of a sense of, man, I can't help but to express what Christ has done for me. And and I'm so excited about that. So, so I think that that is the key for any type of conversation. It's not out of, Oh man, this is my, my 
responsibility as a Christian, like I have to do this. No, it's not about have to. It's about being able to share what you should be excited about sharing. Yeah. And I didn't say this online. So if you watched uh, over the weekend, the recorded message, but I said this in person on Sunday at the drive-in service, is that it, uh, I use a silly example of uh, a time where I actually saved $400 by switching to Geico. And I wish I was sponsored. But when I saved $400 by switch, switching to Geico, I was so excited that I literally told everybody, like, dude, you need to check it out. When's the last time you went insurance shopping? You should do this and this. Like, I was so excited about it that I told everybody that I saved that much money. Yeah. Well, if we have Christ as our Lord and Savior and we found purpose and fulfillment in what he's called us to do, if we found true life and satisfaction, which I think are all part of the Christian walk, then man, we should be that much more eager to share with people the gospel. And, yeah. and if I also said this at the drive-in, like for some people that are, you know, showing up at a church, they might be like, oh man, Christians are always trying to convert me. Well, well the reality is, is that think of it from our perspective. If we truly believe what we believe, then how could we not share it with you? Sure. So so I think it's important to understand that that mission is God's work first and foremost. And yeah. I kind of started off the message by talking about how the gospel had spread throughout the Roman Empire. And it's kind of crazy when you look at the stats. I, I didn't have time to be able to go into all of the details, but there is like this tracking of when and how, like how much of the Roman Empire or how much of the known world, I guess, at that time was like actually identified as, as Christian. Yeah. And by 325, it's about 56% of the population identifies as Christian. Yeah. So much so that by 380, Christianity is declared kind of the national religion of Rome. And there is some downside to that. And I think, you know, the devil's working in some areas going, well, he can't, he hasn't been able to defeat Christianity. So he's going to try and infiltrate and change things. Yeah. And then, you know, then we have a bunch of different things that happened in that historically. And then you get to the reformations of Luther. Just chopping up there. Martin Luther King Jr., Martin yeah. Luther. But that's another message. <laughs> yeah. Did, did just, I cut out there? It was cut out just briefly, but that's okay. We, yeah, it's funny. It actually, like, crushes everything you're saying into, like, a split second. So you it hear it It speeds all, it up. But it's a little yeah. fast, yeah. <laughs> so, um, sorry about that. No, guys. it's all good, man. Technology. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it's just amazing that spread that happens. And yeah. the reason why it spread was because, yes, it, one of the keys is that it wasn't just for the apostles. It wasn't just for people that were trained, but it, it was the work of the Holy Spirit yeah. moving and people coming to know Christ as God was 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 basically doing the mission and the purpose that he had for all of mankind. Yeah, I think that that's so important that we cannot divorce the idea of spiritual conversations from the work of the Holy spirit, because if the Holy spirit is not in the conversation, then we're probably just trying to do it on our own strength. And that's not going to be very good yeah, or successful. Absolutely, man. Um, and, and that, uh, that kind of hit me hard cause I'm one who I'm, I'm a go-getter. And so I always try yeah. to do things on my own and, uh, yeah, it's kind of humbling to remember, Oh, actually my work alone doesn't accomplish too much. So, right. Um, right. So it seemed like this sermon in some ways was uh, trying to break down our understanding of evangelism while also refining our understanding of evangelism. And it's interesting that you mentioned that it is kind of, there's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, there's like a lot of baggage with that word evangelism uh, in, yeah. in just kind of the Christian world today. Um, some people hear that word and it uh, scares them. Some people hear that word and they're annoyed. And so um, I appreciate our coming back to try and really understand what is the heart and the purpose 
uh, and the intended, hopefully the, the desired outcome for such a practice. Um, and so I also appreciate, uh, it seemed like the sermon in some ways was communicating that there's really no cookie cutter, uh, cookie cutter method perhaps of uh, sharing the gospel, of sharing this, this message and belief that we have that, hey, we have something that um, is, is really important. It's something is, you know, we really believe is good news that we shouldn't keep yeah. to ourselves. Uh, and so um, you went through Acts 16, this, these three different um, moments of, you could call it moments of conversion, uh, moments of when people just encounter the love of God, maybe for the first time. And, uh, and these three instances show us that there's no cookie cutter solution. So um, let's jump in. Would you mind maybe yeah. recapping these three individuals uh, sure. and maybe how it is? And then I guess recap their story and then we'll talk a little bit about maybe the different methods of, um, you can call it evangelism, or just sharing uh, the, the story of the gospel or having conversations. Um, we can go over that kind of hands-on stuff later. But anyway, if you want to recap, yeah. maybe the three individuals here. Yeah, so, and this won't be, what I don't want to do is I don't want this to be message like 2.0. Sure. Like, so I'd encourage you, if you haven't listened, I feel like I, I think I did a decent job of trying to explain what each of those was. But um, so this won't be as extensive as that, just because I don't want to, you know, if you've already heard it, I don't want you to hear it again. Um, but we, basically the three people that you have is the first is, is a woman by the name of Lydia. She is kind of a, a businesswoman, think well put together CEO. Um, she's a seller and worker of purple, um, garbs, which was, was a trade and was purple was kind of the color of royalty. Uh, it was rare. So therefore it like, she she became good and proficient in that. Possibly even um, uh, one commentary or a couple that I read said that she could have even been a slave, but then made a free freed person. So she could have been a slave. Possibly her ethnicity was most likely Asian um, because of where she's from. She's from Thyatira, which is an Asian colony or an Asian uh, area. Um, She's got a house in Thyatira and Philippi, both metropolitan areas. So she's most likely rich. And the fact that she's able to invite the disciples to her home, a slave wouldn't be able to do that. It's not their home. So the fact that she's able to invite them to her home kind of suggests that she's a very wealthy woman. But she's also, she, it's interesting because if she is Asian of Asian ethnicity, which is what we believe she is, um, she's also going to this Jewish teaching like the philippi did not have a synagogue apparently from what we're reading in, in act 16 um it, it would constitute 10 jewish men to actually set up a synagogue so the just the fact that there's no synagogue shows that there's a lack of jewish presence but there's this group of women that are meeting and talking through um what it means to be well basically they're walking through the jewish customs yeah. so she's a seeker she seeking out what it means to be uh, a, a God follower, a Christ seeker, God fearer okay. is I think the word used. So it's really through an intellectual dialogue with, with opening the Bible, Paul kind of exposes scripture to her, explains the gospel, explains what Christ has done as an atonement. And it's through that intellectual engagement with the gospel that she comes to know Christ. And it's pretty cool that in verse 14, it says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul said. That word pay attention translates into 
addiction, meaning that like she was craving it, she was desiring it, um, to hold to it, to turn to it, to pay attention to it. So it's pretty cool what she does, uh, what God does in Lydia's life. The second person um, is this slave girl, which has a demon-possessed spirit. So while Lydia is in control, this woman is out of control. Slave girl, she might be uh, early to late teens. She might even be younger than that. Not entirely sure. Um, She's a slave, and she's making her master's money by fortune-telling. And so she's kind of the polar opposite. While Lydia was seeking, but maybe not sure where to go, this, this young girl proclaims that these men are servants of the most high God and they're coming to declare the way of salvation. So she openly proclaims the message that Paul and his companions were preaching, which is interesting. So she, at least on some level knew what Christ was, what had done at least to the level that demons know it. And she is declaring that, but she's not interested. She's not a seeker because she's a slave. She couldn't attend a church service if she wanted to. And then, because she's a slave. And then two, she's demon possessed. So why, why would she, she doesn't want it. It's, it's kind of this weird, she's both attracted to the faith, but then also kind of antagonistic towards it. So it's, it's an interesting concept there. The way that she comes to, to experience Christ is that Paul literally becomes annoyed after many days of them following. And she's like proclaiming this and he becomes annoyed and he rebukes and casts out the spirit and she has this encounter that changes her life in a, yeah. in a moment. Things are changed. So it's through an act of deliverance. It's through an experience that all of a sudden supernaturally God moves. And um, uh, one of the things I said over the weekend is that the, the deliverance of the gospel takes on the context of the personal need for Lydia. That was intellectual for, for the slave girl, the demon possessed slave girl that was spiritually, she was spiritually and economically a slave. And so Paul in that kind of uh, Paul in casting out the, the devil, like the Holy spirit encounters this girl and it meets, meets her where she is. And then the last person we have, and sorry, even if this is too long of a uh, description for everybody that's listening um, is that we have kind of what I would call the average Joe. He is the Philippian jailer um, jailers in that time were traditionally they were, um, they were like, it was a retirement gift. Like a soldier would become a jailer kind of as a retirement gift, as he's getting old, he's advanced in service. Um, this is kind of who he was, the highly decorated Roman soldier, um, given a jail to run. He's probably hardened from all the things that he's seen in his service to Rome at the time. Um, he's part of the ruling class, and he's probably probably pretty cynical. He's, he's used to being the authority, and he uses that authority to whatever means probably benefits him. Um, even to the fact that we see that the, the leaders of Philippi, the magistrates tell this Philippian jailer to just keep him safe. But then what the jailer actually does is he, he puts them in stocks, which was kind of a form of torture. It wasn't just like hanging out there and it's fun and it's comfortable. No, they would contort the body to where there would be spasms and it would seize. And so he kind of tortures them and, puts them in the deepest, darkest part of the dungeon, the inner prison. So the place that was kind of reserved for the most hardened of criminals, the worst of the worst, that's where he puts these disciples. So he's probably pretty cynical, probably doesn't care about the intellectual banter. Like he's not Lydia to where he's, he's really trying to dive into things. He's not trying to figure out the problems of the world, probably just wants to do his time so he can go home. And as I said on Sunday, like 
you know, grab a beer and watch the game. Like mm-hmm. he's just kind of getting back to his normal life. He's, he is not rich like Lydia was. He's not poor like the slave girl was. He's middle class. Yeah. And so even in that, what's interesting to point out is that the gospel is for all socioeconomic classes, right? Like it's not just the poor. It's not just the rich. Yeah. It's not just the middle class. God, God moves in a way for all of them. So that's kind of the three people that we see there. And, oh, I should say that, you know, for him, he is... Uh, if you will, I, I hate to use that word converted because it sounds like Paul converted him. It's not Paul converted. Him. The Holy Spirit moved and worked and he is changed. Um, after he sees kind of Paul and Silas as the, the chains break off the, off the wrists, as the doors open up, this jailer's about to take his life because he was responsible for those prisoners. And so then what happens is that he's about to kill himself and Paul cries out, don't do it. We're still here question kind of becomes why the heck is paul still there like the chains came off the doors are open this just happened in acts 12 to peter why didn't paul just run and i think the answer to that is because paul recognized that if part of the way that god would bring salvation to this city of philippi was through his imprisonment and through his you know having to be tortured so that a philippian jailer could be impacted, then he was willing to do that. So he's, uh, this jailer is impacted by, by basically this extravagant grace that's offered to him because Paul could have let him kill himself and just stayed silent because it sounds like it was moments from happening, but he didn't. He was, he was a recipient of the extravagant grace. And he also saw the miracle of what God just performed. So those are kind of the three people. That's good. Thanks, man. Um, I appreciated uh, how you're highlighting it's good news for all people, right? Um, uh, I was thinking of like some products that people sell today. Like sometimes they have an intended audience, like Gucci bags are for people with money, and then you know yeah. the knockoff brands are for people who don't want to spend so much money on Gucci bags and stuff. So I just think it's interesting because this is something that is really for all people and all backgrounds and all nations, all languages and stuff like that. And so yeah. I really appreciated that. Um, understanding that though, that this is for all people, um, it almost prescribes or it just it impacts how it is that we have to go about uh, sharing it, right? Because I I could have my one method that I feel very confident about, but it's not going to work for all people in yeah. all places. And so, what does Acts sixteen prescribe that we consider when we are trying to be um, good administrators of the word? When we are trying to um, simply share the good news? Because if I want my one method. Um, it may not work for all people. So what might this yeah. chapter prescribe that we consider as we try yeah. to be faithful um, witnesses to the gospel? Uh, I promise to answer that question, but I want to speak <laughs> a little bit towards what you just said. Like, yeah. I think that for the longest time, we as a church, like, I think that we're guilty of this. We do really well with how do we communicate with the Lydia's of the world, those that yeah. are spiritually interested. Yeah. Like, I think that we do a great job because that is relatively easier. Yes, it is. However, for the physical and spiritual captive and then for the skeptic, man, those are the ones that we're not quite sure how do we engage. Yeah. So what happens is we tend to disengage from them and we focus all of our time and energy on those that are spiritually interested. So we wait, we wait, we wait, we wait. And then it's like, oh, now's my opportunity to share the gospel with that person because they seem to be spiritually interested. Um, so I think that as a church, like, I think that we, we just kind of have to own that is that I think that we've done really well with the spiritually interested. Most churches do a really good job of 
impacting those people because it doesn't really change how they do things. It doesn't really change their methodology, right? Like the gospel doesn't change, but the way that they tell people and share, share the gospel should change is what we see in Acts 16. Like Paul's approach changes multiple times. And so as a church, we've done really good at, at the spiritually interested, but where we, I dare say, fail is that we fail with those that are spiritually captive and those that are skeptics. Well, part, why? Why do we fail at those? Sure. Well, part of it is because we just, they're, they're not interested, right? Like this slave girl, she was both attracted and repelled, if you will. Like she's just, she's demon possessed. So she's crying out like, you know, these are, these are them, but also it's probably antagonistic. Like it's yeah. not, she's, she's believing she's not buying what she's selling. Right. Yeah, she's just yeah. kind of shouting this out. And then the skeptic, why, why does he, he doesn't have time. He doesn't need Jesus. And I think that yeah. that's where we can see people in our lives. Like they just, they're just not interested. So when we experience that, we go, Ooh, I don't know what to do there. So therefore I don't do anything. Yeah. It's not, I think from a desire of wanting to just, Oh, okay, well we don't care. Those people don't have to have a relationship with Jesus. I don't think that's it. I think it's more of, I'm not sure what to do. So therefore let me just focus on what I do know what to do, which tends to attract the spiritually interested, not the skeptics and not those that are physically and spiritually captive. So yeah. uh, I think really to just bring out is that I think that it's, it's all types of people, even the skeptics like that, that ultimately we get the opportunity to share Christ with that. Yeah. The Holy Spirit enables and empowers us as we live life to be able to share the gospel with those people. So, yeah, thanks for asking that question. Now, let me get into kind of more the practicals. Your yeah. question, if I if I remember correctly, um, was just so ha- looking at 16, what are some of the practicals for these these individuals, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, so uh, I feel like we'll start with the easiest and we'll just go in order of what we see of the text of, of Acts 16. First is Lydia, who's the spiritually interested. I think that it's very simple. It's uh, there's tons of different options. I don't think that we struggle with this one, but the way that they would come to know Christ, those that are spiritually interested, is to simply expose them to the gospel. Like that's just all we need to do: expose this person um, to God's word and allow God's word to kind of infiltrate the very need that they have. And speaking and of, and so, so go ahead to speak to that for anyone who might be watching, who's like Ben, like uh, unpack the gospel. Yeah. Is it explicitly the story of Jesus? Is it the whole narrative from Genesis to Revelation? Um, or is it even that complicated or are we overthinking things? So if you wouldn't mind yeah. just mentioning that real quick. So the way that I would just say this, like the jailer asks a question and I know that we're talking about Lydia, the spiritually interested, <laughs> but I think the answer that Paul gives to the jailer is, is also the same. Yeah. So the jailer falls after he sees this prison after, you know, prison, uh, jailbreak. That isn't actually a jailbreak. It's the weirdest jailbreak ever. Everybody's so free, but nobody leaves. Okay. <laughs> whatever. After he sees this, he's about to take his own life. He asks Paul, he says, what must I do to be saved? And mm-hmm. Paul's response is to believe. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like the what is, what must I do? You need to believe. The how gets a little bit more complicated sure. because there's an explaining of the gospel. So bringing that back to the, what is the explanation of the gospel? I think the what you need to understand is that Christ died for your sin, that he raised again, and that he has become the atonement for you. Meaning you don't have to pay the price of sin because Christ has already paid that for you. Yeah. It's a very simple, reduced 
way of doing it. But the gospel, specifically that, that Christ died, he was buried, he was resurrected. And because of that, I now can enter into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what I would say is the very, very core and the very foundation. So for me, if I've got somebody that is brand new to the gospel, they're trying to understand the gospel. What I would say is, okay, let's maybe expose them first to, uh, I I personally love Luke's writing. So I I would love to say, start with Luke, the book of Luke. In fact, that's what we're going to be starting the next series on the book of Luke, which we're going to take a long time to work through. We're just going to slowly work through it. Um, But John would be a good, good place to start. Luke, I think, would be a great place to start to just understand who Jesus was and what he's done. And then I think as you understand more, that growth and that knowledge kind of gets a little bit larger. Mm -hmm. So understanding the context of the Old Testament and how it fits in with the New Testament, Testament, I think that there's a growth in education that happens in applying it to your life. But I feel like even that, I want to slow down and say, you know, the what, what do people need to, to do? Like, how does one be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, it's as simple as that. And from there, there's a the what is believe. Yeah. The how becomes a little bit different and you grow into it. And you hopefully have Christian mentors or people that can help encourage you. Um, but even that, by saying that, I don't want to make it sound like you have to have a Christian mentor. If you just got saved, now you need this. Yeah. That would probably be ideal because it's somebody that's gone before you in discipleship. They can help mentor you and grow you and help you in the areas that you're struggling with. But even that, I don't want to add it to the gospel as in saying you have to do this. No, I think that that could be useful and help, but believe that's the what. So does that answer your question? Is that what you're, yeah, I don't know. Just because I know some people hear the word and it brings up so many thoughts, especially for those who have been in the church for a while, but then, you know, if anyone's joining us and they've not been in the church, um, it's just a good little unpacking of what what it means. So thanks for that. And Josh does this all the time. Our senior pastor, Josh Roberts, he creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Yeah, yeah. That Those four things. And then there's also a fifth one, consummation. Creation, fall, restoration, and redemption. Like those are the four things that kind of explain yep. the gospel. Like yeah. it explains the entire story and narrative of the Bible as well. So creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Yeah. So like those are, that's just kind of a simple way. And I know that Josh intentionally does that. So the gospel but as you if you've been to our church for any any amount of time within the last two years you've probably heard numerous times creation fall redemption restoration that is the gospel you just might not recognize it as oh i'm being taught the gospel by those four things yeah awesome thanks for that yeah Um, no i just i forget i was trying to remember what question we were on i know that was a slight diverge but i think it was good i did that i'm really good at taking us off course but let me uh, no i thought it was good dude great um so i was just kind of mentioning how the act 16 kind of prescribes that we break out of our uh mantra of doing things one way right if if, uh, if we feel like we have um a passion obligation or just out of love for Christ to share this story with others. Um, and we only have one method to do so. Um, but that yeah. one method won't always work for all people. And so how is it that we can grow more accustomed to, um, to let God work through us in such a way where more people are impacted and receive this story of the gospel? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I feel like in that, the way that I was answering it, I remember my thought process now is in the practicals, right? Like, yeah. so Lydia, how do you engage a Lydia? And for me, it's through exposing the Bible and 
some of the examples that I said is that hopefully you feel comfortable that you can invite them to church, that we as a church can hopefully help partner. Like we take a, a good amount of time to expose the Bible, like to really expound on it, to not try and, I mean, there's usually, especially like this week, I had a ton of background information that I think helps make that come alive. But what we try and do is, is to preach from the gospel and let God's word be his word. And so from there, the exposing of the scripture changes hearts and lives. So uh, invite them to church. That's kind of a big one. Um, Invite them to read the Bible with you. Just get together and read the Bible. Like you can do that over Zoom. You could do that over a phone call. You could do that face to face, you know, if it's, it's able to do that. Um, you could make a list of verses, maybe even your favorite verses and write down what they mean for you or ask that other person, Hey, what do you, when you read this, what do you think of what, like, uh, how does that, uh, like, what does that mean for you? Like, as you read these verses, that's something simple. Um, you could do a simple Bible study. I mentioned the YouVersion Bible app. There's a ton of different, um, devotions on there, You, you know, as long or as short as you want that are really good. In fact, I've gotten into the habit recently, um, you version Bible app, even if you don't have a plan, like seven day plan, this is what you do. You can open it up and each day at the top of the main page of the app, you can just kind of click read the story. And it's kind of like Facebook's, um, what's the, what are those stories? Yeah. It's a Facebook yeah. story. <laughs> like you just hit the top and it'll say a scripture verse or it'll tell you what the topic is. It'll hit the, tell you a scripture verse. There's usually a one to two minute video by a, some church leader. And then there's a devotional and then there's the scripture again and a prayer. Like that's easy. I've, <laughs> I've found myself like not actually picking a plan yeah. because I, I almost like the spontaneity of the random devotion. Yeah that I found myself just recently just going, I'm going to just keep reading these each day. Um, <laughs> so, so you can use something like YouVersion Bible app. Yeah. You could also, if you don't want just a small Bible study, you could do a larger Bible study, something like right now media, um, which we as a church can give you free access to. In fact, if you go to our website, clcfamily.church, yep. um, scroll down to the bottom right side, you can sign up for right now media access. There's thousands and thousands of videos for kids, for adults, for teens, um, for marriages, for raising kids, like uh, parenting, there's there is literally thousands of resources there that you have access to, all for free. It's a service that we pay for as a church, but we offer it to you for free so that you can have access for tools yeah. that are helpful in, in larger Bible studies. And we hope that you use that. Um, and really, what you're looking for in that is that. Um, that you would look for the same thing that happened to Lydia, that God would open up their heart um, and that they would be exposed to the scripture and everyone can do that. So that's how I think the spiritually interested, that's the practical steps. I think that for the the physical and spiritual captive, this, the slave girl, um, I think that you have to get involved in their lives. And and I think I said this, uh, I can't remember if it was the recording or if it was the drive-in service, but I, I heard that old, saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that that's truly important. I think that as Christians, we can't just pay lip service to, yes, I love you. I care for you, but don't ever bother me because I'm just going to be over here doing my own thing. There's a way that things just come up and that you have opportunities to just be a friend. Um, So the way that I said, you know, the way that we reach them is being in communities. And I was trying to make this, specific to us as a church, but also as individuals. So uh, by being in communities, 
by being among the homeless, by being in pregnancy centers. Um, this one I put in there for me as a little bit of a motivator for me by being in the foster care system. Yeah. So uh, that's something my wife and I do. And man, right now it's really, really challenging. I can't really get into that, but it's just really challenging and difficult yeah. in this season. Um, the way that we can do that is by taking the panhandling family shopping. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know if I should say this or not, but it's there's one family around here that, uh, you know, I saw a post, and I'm pretty sure that it wasn't somebody from our church, but a post that just said, "Hey, beware of these guys, they're they're scammers," and and that might be true, but I'm not responsible for that. So, if a family's out there, my goal would be to, hey, let's go shopping. I'll I'll just go buy what you need. Let's yeah. go buy. It, at Giant, like, let's go shopping together. So yeah. getting involved within their lives. Um, so pay, taking the panhandling family shopping. Um, I also then mentioned kind of moving in college students and attending college campus events. Like, yeah. those are huge things that just start to open doors to get involved. Like, I think that we can't sit by and say, well, the church will take care of that, or the church has got a program for that, especially now in COVID or post-COVID. Yeah. Like, everything's different you as a believer, like you were called into those areas to engage and to be involved because when you're involved with people, then you see the needs. When you're close, you can identify and recognize, hey, I think that this could be useful and beneficial yeah. and things will be brought to your attention and your mind that the spirit will prompt. Go for it. Please. So what I'm hearing here is in, in this mode, if you want to call it that, of evangelism or caring for your neighbor, um, sometimes it's just largely not going to be convenient. It's not going to be fun. Yes. It's not going to be easy. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's almost costly. You're, you're giving oh, not yeah. only your time, your energy, your comfort, and your money. Um, you're giving those things up. And so are you suggesting, because uh, it seems that I'm hearing that, that a lot of our exercising evangelism and just our exercising care and love and spreading the gospel for our neighbor uh, is largely costly in some ways. Is that right? Um, you, you know what? The, the way that you asked it, like, are you suggesting? And I was Sorry, like, yeah. I don't know if I am <laughs> suggesting that, but I, I think Or you're articulating you're right. perhaps is what in some yeah, cases I think, it can be costly. Yeah, I don't think that I was, uh, I, I had not actually thought that sure, exact thought, sure. but at the same time, yeah, yes, it is costly. Okay. Um, and I, I did mention a story. I think that I've got enough time to, to share it here, but um, a story that I, I wanted to, to share, but didn't have time. And then I also, I didn't want to talk about it and like, Hey, look at that. I'm such the ultimate example. Cause I'm not. Um, but there was a moment <laughs> in, in line with what you're saying. Um, it, it was not this past year, but the previous year's Christmas um, ended up uh, running into somebody at the church. One of my responsibilities was to lock up the church. I think it was actually 2018. Okay. Yeah. It's because we're in 20, not 19. Yeah, 2018. Um, ran into a gentleman who was homeless. who's was 86 years old, I think, at the time, or 84. I can't remember exactly how old he was. Um, and he was homeless, living in his car. And just there's just something that drew me to him, like, to the point to where I ultimately, after, like, months of asking, like, from fall into the winter, um, that I finally had kind of convinced him to be able to come home, like to my house, that I could give him a warm place to stay. And when I say he was dying, he was he was legitimately dying. Like his kidneys were shutting down. I think it was his kidneys. Um, 
and he had no interest in any type of social help. Like literally when I say that this man was just looking to pass away in his car somewhere where the county could be responsible for his body, that was literally what he was trying to do. Um, was not looking for help, was pretty belligerent. Like, in fact, he was estranged from his family and um, <laughs> he was pretty belligerent that I could almost understand that he was estranged from his family. But I just remember in that moment going, man, this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. Like, I've got to do something. Uh, and, and so he only spent two nights at my house and they weren't consecutive. But the first, first night, he was just, he, I think it was so cold out. This was, it was dropping to like 10 degrees at night and it was December and he kept his car running with the heater on, but it just couldn't fix it. Like, so I spent the night and then the next day he kind of wanted to leave. So he left and then a day passed and then spent the following night. But, uh, but that Thursday morning or whatever it was that I woke up, he, um, Oh man, I, this is weird, a little bit weird to talk about because I'm not so awesome. And it's just, he was in a tough spot. Like physically he was not doing well. And so he didn't have control of his bowels. And so he had an accident. And I just remember at, at one point, like sitting in my living room with this man that is really belligerent and doesn't want any help and is like, wants to do what he wants to do. And yeah. And I remember like kind of cleaning up his mess thinking, whose life is this? Like, why am I doing this? Like <laughs> what in the world, why did I agree to this? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was so difficult. And then I think it was, that was like a Thursday morning and then he kind of left and uh, man, I was really scared because I didn't know if I would see him ever again. Yeah. Like yeah. he was just at the end of his life. And then I think on that Friday or that Saturday, he had actually, um, he called me cause I'd given him my number. Um, he had called me and said that he was ready to go to a hospital. He was not ready to go to a hospital. And then I think it was like within 48 to 72 hours of him going to the hospital, um, he passed away, which he had placed me as his next of kin. So I actually got the phone call as when he passed and, and just kind of all of that. And I say that not because I'm some great example, but what me and my wife loved and hated was the fact that we were in his life for the last two weeks really of his life. I think it was like, and I, I don't remember perfectly the time frame. I think it was two weeks start to finish, maybe from that initial contact to where finally he was like coming home and, and sleeping on our, on our pullout couch because he couldn't make it up steps. And, and I just, that was as hard and difficult and challenging as that was um, looking back we wouldn't have had it any other way. Yeah. And, and it was interesting. I would say that he was a spiritual captive in the sense that there was a lot of bitterness there. There was a lot of anger. There were some discussions, but he was definitely not in the category of the spiritually interested yeah. because I would talk like he was, uh, uh, he was willing to talk, but <laughs> didn't see a need. Like he was either the skeptic or the spiritually captive. And he just yeah. didn't have any interest in, in Jesus. And yeah. I'm not sure to this day of where he's spending eternity. Like my prayer is that he saw it coming because one of the last visits that I had was I saw him in the hospital um, right before he passed away. It was, it was the day before we were planning on visiting. Uh, we saw him on the following Friday or one of the Fridays. And then he passed like in the night from Friday night into Saturday. Okay. And uh, 
one of the last things I remember doing is praying with him. Like he was open to prayer. Um, and, and I don't know, like I remember kind of giving him instructions of saying, Hey, the Lord is near. Like all you need to do is call out to him and he'll hear you. It doesn't matter. Right. And that's your choice and your desire if you want that or not. So, so I guess uh, it just reminded me of the story of Bud is that it, it's really hard to be involved in people's lives. It's really challenging. Yeah. And sometimes you're in your, uh, you're up your elbows in mess, right? Like in difficulty, like yeah. I, I kind of mean that figuratively, but also Literally. not like yeah. sometimes you're just wading into the problems and into the world yeah. of where people find themselves yeah. and as terrible and as crazy and as chaotic as that is, it's also, it's also a privilege to be able to walk with that person in the most difficult time of their life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you'll be feeling great about it. Um, I'll say specifically, I've, I've was a youth pastor for over 15 years. Like teenagers are really tough. Like teenagers generally don't ever thank you for walking through the difficult parts of their life with them. Um, and I would probably add preteens are in that same boat as well, but it's also some of the most rewarding things if you can be faithful in that. So yeah. for the, those that are physically and spiritually captive, be present, get involved. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that you are so present in everyone's life that you're you're no good to anybody. What I would say is that be intentional in your relationships. And so maybe have one or two people that are, you know, they're kind of, I hate to say your project because it's not about you. It's not about you having a project. It's really about, there's somebody that you're praying and you're hoping that would you bring a place where they could hear about the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. That's good. Uh, uh, I feel like I should probably go into the third one. Yeah. And that was a long explanation. Uh, honestly, I'm not sure if I thought through that story very well. What I hope in that is it doesn't sound like, oh, Ben's so awesome. He took in this homeless dying guy. Like, it wasn't like that. It was, I, I don't know. It just, it, there was a relationship that developed over time. Yeah. And it just happened to be and to come about that way. And I think yeah. that it all started with, as I was locking the church one night, just checking in with this this car and, and then checking in again. And I remember there were several times where I was busy or I didn't want to, that I was like, man, I just want to lock the church, but I see his cars over there. I should probably go check in. So it was a choice to get involved that grew into something that was an opportunity to share the gospel. And I think it's just a a great illustration of what, um, what sometimes it looks like to, be on the Christian journey because sometimes there will be things that we don't plan for, things that we don't necessarily even want to do in the moment. Um, yeah. But we are called to bigger and greater things and we can all sometimes anticipate. And uh, sometimes it'll uh, it's a call to be inconvenienced and to not be always comfortable and stuff. But that's just part yeah. of the normalcy of what it means to um, share a message with, a, uh, with, with the world, right? And so um, I yeah. think that that story illustrated that pretty well. So... Um, yeah. Did you want to jump into that third? third yeah. One? And then so I'll the, let you take it la- from here if you have anything else you wanted to share that you could. Yeah, cover. I don't think I do. I, <laughs> I think I covered everything. Yeah. Good. Good. I feel like I communicated a lot. So the the third one was the Philippian jailer, um, the, the skeptic. So how do you kind of engage the skeptic? And I think the way that you engage that in Paul's case, it was a divine miracle. Like the the prison doors broke open, the foundations broke, and the chains bursted off. Yeah. Like that was divine. That was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, and Paul didn't really have any part of that. 
yes, he might have been praying, he and Silas. But the one thing that we do see Paul and Silas doing is that in the worst of their circumstances, they were giving praise and thanks to God. Like in the inner inner prison, in presumably in this stock that is providing torture, like after being um, after this prejudice of a false narrative of this is what's happening and lies being told about them in the start of their first missionary or second missionary journey, like the very start, what are they doing? They're, they're singing praise and hymns and they're praying like so much so that it says that the, the other prisoners were listening, uh, that they were listening, but that word listen there implies they were intently listening. Like they were, they were captive, like held holding on to the very, words that they were saying well why well because it's unnatural to actually be singing songs of praise in a roman prison after being beaten and being tortured where (laughs) you the jailer cleans their wounds after this so most likely they're still bloody and bruised from the beating that they endured yeah and so the in that they they chose praise instead of god i quit i'm done i'm out of here this is ridiculous so what Paul and Silas were able to control is their response to the circumstances that they found themselves in. And then the second part, which we already mentioned was the extravagant grace that they showed to this Philippian jailer, because if Paul had waited, presumably the way that the text was written, and I'm assuming that Luke, who's an investigative journalist is sitting and talking to this Philippian jailer, right? Like Luke, who is on the missionary journey with them, He's come conversing with them. It sounds like if Paul had delayed just a few moments, Mm -hmm. then this jailer would have killed himself. But instead of allowing him to kill himself, Paul and Silas speak out and say, no, 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 we're all here. So they show extravagant grace. And instead of kind of choosing to to be in that moment to take revenge or to – for them to be able to – you know, on one hand, they had their – their privilege and their rights, like they, they were able to walk out, like, but they chose to kind of forsake that yeah. and say, Hey, it's not about me, but this Philippian jailer, like they showed extravagant grace and they chose to worship in a very difficult cir- circumstance. So I think yeah. that for us, our job is that when we face challenges that as hard as it is, as difficult it is, is to try and find joy in that. Yeah. Because I think that in the midst of everything that we're going through, we shouldn't lose the joy of Christ. And the reason is, is because the prisoners are listening. They're listening in That's good. That's really good. That should be on a... I don't want to say, I'm using contact story that the prisoners... Yeah. Sorry. So I'm not trying to say that we are prisoners or like your coworkers are prisoners, but <laughs> like others are watching. Yeah. yeah. Don't, so don't go so to I think, people you know and say you are a prisoner. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like you're a prisoner and you're watching. Yeah. So pay attention to me. Um, no, don't do that. That's cool. It's I think tough. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, ahead, thanks for sharing that. I think those three stories show in some ways that um that God works not not only through the message but the medium, like the words and yeah. then also the actions. And um yeah. I think in a lot of ways, like if we are a people of redemption and restoration, it shouldn't we, you know, we not only say that we are, but we live in, in such a way that suggests that we are. And I feel like these examples yeah. of serving, uh, the example that, um, um, that Peter and Paul and just all of the greats, right, have set before us, um, exemplifies that, man, as the people who are trying to share this incredible message, um, we, we not only share via word of mouth, but just in how we carry ourselves in our lives and how we serve and, and love extravagantly. 
Um, those are those are some ways that can even almost help us in that process of evangelism. God uses yeah. not only those words, but the methods and, and how it is that we carry ourselves to make an impact. So, um, man, that's really good. You, uh, yeah, you're one last thing that helped me out with that, with those three stories too. So thank you for that. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad that God moves and works and he speaks through silly people like me. Yeah. Um, the one other thing that I wanted to say yeah. in that is just kind of probably coming full circle that in this, you're going to make mistakes. Like there'll be situations, especially with that last one in difficult hardships. Like, again, the natural response is not to give praise and worship, right? Like, so if you don't quite get it right, like what I don't want is that people to leave this message with the list of, okay, I've got to do this, 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 Mm -hmm. and this. No, it's not a list of do these things. Like there should be a, a desire to want to honor and please God. And we can do that by these things. But it doesn't mean that that's, that's natural. It does take work. Like it takes time, dare I say, it takes time to fail yeah. before you actually start to get that right. Yeah. I think that I just want to kind of let remind people that the, the work of mission is the work of the Holy Spirit. Like it's not, not on us. The Holy Spirit invites us to be part of that. So this isn't about how amazing Paul was and we should be like Paul. Yeah. No, Paul sets a great example of the Holy Spirit moving and active. And Paul eagerly joining the Holy Spirit in the midst of hardship and difficulty and struggle. Yeah. Like that's the example, not that we should be like Paul. No, we should follow the Holy Spirit yeah. and like Paul strive to do what the Holy Spirit would have us do yeah. in that moment. I, I guess I'm trying to make it from a list of do this to man, let the Holy Spirit empower it. And sometimes yeah. you won't get it right. Yeah. And that's okay. Paul was the first he, he martyred the first Christian. So Paul didn't get it right. <laughs> he was a really bad guy. Yet God used him. Yeah. Yeah. Yet God used him. So I think that's all that I've got. Great. So I'd say, you know, engage the spiritually interested by exposing them to the Bible. Um, get involved with those who are physically and spiritually captive. Just simply be with them. And for the skeptic, show joy in the middle of pain and give extravagant grace. Yeah. And that's yeah. all I got. Thanks for that. Well, I hope I hope you guys are encouraged and challenged by this. Um, and again, if you've not watched the sermon yet, uh, you can actually check that out on our website, uh, clcfamily.church slash media, and you can go ahead and watch the whole sermon uh, in its entirety. The, the Usually overtime is intended to complement those things, and I think that's a really good, uh, almost like a bow on the Holy Spirit, or conversation on the Holy Spirit thus far. Yeah. Um, and so next week, we're going to continue on in a new series on Luke. Yeah. We're really excited about that one. We hope you guys will join us for that one. And uh, once again, if you want to stay in the loop for everything at the CLC Family Church, go ahead and sign up for our newsletter. You can do that on our website or email Cecilia, and uh, you can find her on the Our Team tab on the church website. But uh, I think that's it for episode 39. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for episode 40. Woo! Have a good week, guys. Yeah, is that over the hill then? I think it's 40 over the hill. I think so. I don't know. I think it's 50. Right. So we still have like 11 oh, weeks to go. All right. So we're safe. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Hope you have a great week. Take care.